Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. And we're on a journey to improve our marriage, our family, our faith, our fitness, well, just about everything. Along the way, we might accidentally give a tiny bit of solid advice, so join us as we chat each week. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fools in Love Podcast. Today, we're digging in deep, and we are talking about marriage. Yes, me and Megan have actually been married this year, this past December, 10 years. And I can't believe it as I say it, 10 years we have been married. And we've actually been together for 15 years total, going on 16 years, I believe, and Meg can correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things when you get to certain milestones like that in a relationship is you get a lot of questions about what works and what doesn't work. And you seem to, no matter what, inevitably work through a lot of different issues, a lot of different fun things, some some not so fun things. And Meg's smirking at me as I say it. I think we've all been there. Really, today, what we're looking to dig into is the 10 things that when we think about it, that we've learned and that are the most impactful in our 10 years of marriage. Oh gosh, yes, we've definitely learned 10 and very, very many more than 10 things during our marriage. But I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this today because it's just a fun and also probably pretty refreshing and honest look at just marriage in general too. Yeah, the biggest thing, and it's going to sound harsh when I say this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The number one thing that I could say that I've learned about marriage in these 10 years, and you learn very early on, is that marriage is hard. I'll say it again. Marriage is hard. I think so often we look at social media or we look at TV or movies or the fairy tales and we think you meet the person that you're supposed to be with, you know they're the one, you get married and from there it's all sunshine and rainbows. But unfortunately, we all live in the real world and we all have real problems. You're taking two individual people who a lot of times are coming from opposite ends of the spectrum. They may be opposites as far as personality goes. I know in me and Megan's case, for example, I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. Uh, That causes some things. You bring your own baggage into it as far as what you're going to bring into the relationship. But I always like to think that in the movies when they meet Mr. and Mrs. Wright and it becomes this, you know, birds flying and kisses and twinkling stars. And I'd always wonder what happens the next morning when Prince Charming wakes up with Cinderella and she's got the messy hair and the drool and the morning breath. (laughs) And what happens from that point on? And really, there's no other way to say it other than it is difficult. It's important when you think about it to think about it in that mindset. Because if you go into it thinking that it's going to be so easy, then the minute it becomes difficult, then you're going to just freak out. That's always the case with anything. If you go into it thinking it's going to be easy, then any obstacles that you go into it after the fact, it just becomes more and more difficult because you've set yourself up to believe that it's more challenging than it's supposed to be. But if you go into it with the mindset that it might actually be difficult and that it's going to take some work, then there's where you start out on the right foot. And adding to that, 
if there are issues before you ever get married, marriage isn't the way to solve it. It's kind of like how people, well, I don't know if people say this, but it used to be a thing where people would say like, you know, oh yeah, if your things are going wrong, just have a baby. Ha ha ha. Well, same idea here. If, if things are not good before you get married, marriage is not the way to solve them. Those problems are still going to exist once you have your wedding day. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you got to put in the effort. You have to do everything you need to do to make it work. And it doesn't just work out on its own, which leads us to number two. Compromise is a must. Oh boy, it is. Do we agree on everything? No way. No, no, we definitely don't. So when things come up and when obstacles come up, it's important that you know that First of all, things will come up. And second of all, that compromise is something that you need to be willing to do. What actually does happen when you do disagree? Because like we said, it's not always going to be easy. So when you do have a disagreement, it's very easy to be selfish, to look at things only in your realm or your mindset or where you are or from your experiences But you also got to accept that that person that's sitting across from you has also had their own experiences. And you also need to think outside the box and think, maybe they do have a point. Maybe I need to actually open my ears and listen to what they have to say. And maybe there's some valid points in what they're saying. This is totally not an impactful or meaningful story, but we're going to tell it anyway. I am. Last week, we were talking about redoing our floors. And when we are redoing our floors, we're going to do them ourselves. But we got into this dumb argument about how we should label the baseboards of the house when we take them off to redo the floors. It just triggered in my brain because you were just saying somebody might have a valid point. Well, I was just dead set that I didn't think that there was a need to make a diagram to go along with the baseboard numbering system that I had come up with and Brandon did not agree with that he wanted the diagram and eventually he was like Meg I don't get why you care you're not the one who's actually going to be doing the floors I'm going to be doing it if I want this stupid diagram just let me have the diagram (laughs) and I was being so stubborn but eventually I was like oh yeah yeah for sure I think you should have your diagram because um it doesn't matter at all to me you are the one doing the floors but there's just a silly example of something that I had to give up a little bit which can be difficult when you're stubborn and want to be right like I do. Yeah, just a couple with that. When you do have disagreements and things do become difficult, it's important that you sit down and come together and figure out the best way to move forward. This could be something small like me and Meg disagreeing about the floors, or it could be something a lot bigger, elephant-sized issues in your marriage that you need to come together and actually find a way to sit down and talk about it. Because when those things come up, the worst thing that you can possibly do and the biggest thing that I've learned is to ignore it. Because when you ignore something, it's never going to turn out well. Just think about if you have a leak in the roof of your house. Okay, You don't want to deal with that leak right now and it's just a slow drip. So why do you have to worry about it? But over time, It just gets fuller and fuller and you see that ceiling sagging and sagging and what eventually is going to happen. It's all going to come crumbling down. Ignoring things in your relationship is going to work out the same way. I speak from experience. When things are not going well, ignoring it will never get you to where you want to be. You have to be able to sit down and we've talked about this time and time again. 
You have to be able to sit down and have those deep and meaningful conversations. And even when it's something small, like the floors me and Megan experienced, we still came together. We both said we were sorry and we moved on. But sometimes it's deeper than that and you need to come together, find a good place and a good middle ground to talk and go from there. And sometimes it becomes one of those things where you have to just give a little or a lot depending on the situation. You can't always be right. You can't. And sometimes we need to think about that and tell ourselves that because we all are built that way where we just want to be right. We want to get the last word. And that is not something that you're going to be able to do if you want a successful marriage. You can certainly do that if you want a crappy marriage. But if you want a successful marriage, you're going to have to give a little and sometimes give a lot to make that happen. And that's something that I've been trying to work on too, because I know that for me, I'm always trying to have the last word and I really want to be right. And it's hard to admit that I might have gotten it wrong. Speaking of getting it wrong, we shouldn't be too proud to say I'm sorry, which I think is probably one of the things for both of us to be working on. It's hard for anyone, I think, to admit mistakes and say they're sorry, but the quicker we can do that, the quicker we can kind of move on and mend the relationship and go on to bigger and better things. Yeah, I know I've struggled with this a lot, and that's just being able to apologize. I've often thought... Well, I have nothing to apologize for, so why would I have to apologize? And I really had to learn that it's, first of all, look internally at that statement. You have nothing to apologize for. You are arguing. So it takes two people for that argument to happen. Or you're disagreeing. It might not even be a full-blown argument. But it takes two people to get to that point. So you need to look at both parties, not just at the person, because it's always easy to point the finger at someone else when sometimes you just need to point the finger at yourself and realize that you are not perfect. The person across from you is not perfect. And sometimes you just need to swallow your pride, say you're sorry. And I don't mean in a way that our four-year-old daughter does where she goes, I'm sorry, and moves on. That's not what I'm saying. You know, you got to actually think about it. And maybe you let things simmer down before you come back to do that. But you do need to come back and you do need to be big enough and a big enough person to be able to admit when you were wrong and to also say you're sorry. Next up is honesty is the best policy. We've definitely learned that along the way of our marriage. It's super important to be honest, except if you're talking about somebody not looking their best in a certain shirt, then I think you should probably just keep quiet. (laughs) But we do believe that You should have open and truthful conversations as often as possible. You don't want to withhold information or withhold your feelings because it's just going to keep digging deeper into your soul and become a way bigger thing than it ever needed to be if you were just talking along the way. That's so true. And it's, I will say from a man's perspective that a lot of times it is difficult to be honest, especially when it comes from a place where we might not feel as secure or as masculine. We, we build it up as men that we need to be the strong person all the time and we need to always have our stuff together and we need to lead our families and we need to always be the type of person that can just lift ourselves up and we'll be fine. And that's misrepresentation of men altogether. I mean, we always look at people and we say, see the macho men out there, but also... 
you know, I'll say it, men have a softer side, but it becomes difficult when you have to admit a weakness or something that you're struggling with or something that's wrong with you as a man to come out and say that. A lot of times it can be difficult, but I'm going to tell you that when you are able to open up and you are able to have those conversations, it leads to a much more open, comfortable, and happy relationship. And Megan really appreciates, and I'm sure your wife or partner would appreciate opening up and having those conversations because it's something that is just going to garner such a stronger relationship for the long run. I definitely appreciate it. I feel like we do a much better job at our relationship when we both kind of know where the other's at and whether that's that everything's amazing or whether there's some, you know, things we need to work through together. I'd rather be in the know about whatever that is than be thinking everything's cool when it's not. Yeah. Number four, we've kind of already touched on, but I believe that it's a large enough issue that it needs to be touched on again. It's that selfishness actually gets you nowhere. And I know it's hard in a world where everything seems to be centered around me, 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 me. Like, what can I get? What can I do? What can I go out and do what's best for me? And everyone looks at things, by the way, in a lens of themselves. So even when they're giving you criticism, they look at you in a lens of themselves. So we're so selfish and we're such selfish beings. And when I say this, I have myself fully included. So it becomes really hard to think about someone else more than yourself. But one of the things I'm going to tell you, and one of the things I hate to say if you struggle with this, like me, is that when you get married, you actually have to put that person's needs above your own. And I know a lot of us come from a place where we've been, we might have been single and we appreciate the single life. And a lot of times people dream about the times when they were single and they could just do what they wanted to do. But ultimately, when you get married, you are a partnership. You are supposed to do everything 50-50. So if that means that you have kids, that means you're both responsible for raising those kids. You're both responsible for the household chores, men. You're both responsible for everything. But you have to, a lot of times, put yourself aside. And for me, I really, really strive to do that. I try to put Megan in a place where I put her needs above my own. I fail a lot of the time, but that's my goal. My goal is to show her the type of love and to put her above myself. And one of the things that really sticks with me when I talk about this, because we have kids and we also, one of our kids is happens to be a daughter. And I read something one time that says your daughter will basically marry the person that she sees you being. So like your example of what a husband and a father is supposed to be is the type of man that she's ultimately going to look for. Well, that's a big and heavy burden to take on, but it's something that puts you at a level that you need to be looking at and and respect and appreciate because that's that person and that person in your life, how they're viewing you and even how the outside world views you is such a big impact on how the rest of their life might go. Well, if our daughter finds a man that's like you, I think we're we're in for a really good life for her. So you don't have to worry about that. I'm excited if she finds someone as good as you. Speaking of kids, 
I know that this number four of selfishness getting you nowhere got a little bit harder for me when we had kids. Kids just take so much time and energy, obviously. The more energy that I need to put into them, the harder it is for me, at least, to put energy into our marriage and Brandon at the end of the day. It's like once our kids go to bed, I don't want to be thinking about what he might need. I'd rather be thinking about how I'm going to lay on the couch and do nothing. (laughs) And it's so hard for me to remember Put him above me, even when I'm tired, even when the kids were annoying, whatever the case may be, that it's still just as important for me to treat him the right way, even even with kids in the picture. Yes, thing that really comes back to all these things that we're going to be discussing is you have to make the effort. You have to put forth an effort to make things work and to make yourself have a healthy and happy marriage. You really have to sometimes step out of your comfort zone. You have to do things that maybe your spouse likes to do that you might not want to do. And again, that goes back to the selfishness issue. I don't want to do certain things because that's just not what I want to do. Like Megan was saying, once the kids go to sleep, she might not want to spend time with me on that given night, but that might be something that I need. And it's certainly something that your relationship needs. So it's important to be considerate at how that person feels and where they're coming from. A lot of times you just have to reflect and remove yourself from a situation in the moment and think about where that person's coming from and if they have any valid points. Don't let that voice in your head tell you that you are right or you are always right because if you sit there and look at the world and you think that you are always right no matter what, boy, are you going to have some trouble and you're never going to have a chance to learn and grow because so many times when we're thinking about it and we're thinking about the opinions or viewpoints, I should say, that our spouse has or that the outside world has, it just opens our eyes to other opportunities and gives us more of an opportunity to grow in ourselves. Last thing that I want to say is that many times there are seasons where one person needs to be there for the other a little bit more. And you have to be kind of willing to understand that that's going to happen and be the rock when you need to be the rock and be the person who needs a little bit more love and attention when that's when it's your turn to need that too. Absolutely. And I've seen it in these 10 years of time. There's been plenty of times where Megan might have been going through something that was a little bit more difficult and I had to be there. And then there's certainly been times where I have struggled and Megan's had to step up and be there. But the biggest thing is you just got to keep a pulse on the relationship and you really have to make sure that you are communicating, that you're being honest and that you're compromising when needed to make sure that you're there for what your partner needs. And on a lighter note, number five is it should be fun. I think we do a pretty darn good job of this one, actually. There are a million times a day when you make me laugh or you make me smile or I just can hardly contain it. Like the other night you did something. I don't even remember what it was. And I just could not stop laughing. I couldn't get over it. But it is super important that you have those kind of moments with your partner because it has to be fun. If it's not fun, what are you even doing? Like, why are you even attempting the relationship at all? Yeah, obviously, we talk a lot about the big stuff and making sure you're having those deep and meaningful conversations. But it's also equally important to have fun, just like Megan said. Go back to when you first fell in love when you first started dating where did you find joy in the relationship it wasn't always this 
deep and meaningful thing. A lot of times it was just the fun times you had. You initially had some kind of attraction and it wasn't, my guess is it wasn't anyway, just a physical attraction. Certainly that was there, but there was something in that person that brought something out in you. And I remember back when me and Megan first started dating and I remember a conversation I had with my brother and he was asking me about the date and I just said, I don't know, there's just something different about her. And that's just what it was for me. I can't even pinpoint what it was even now, but there's just something different that made me know that she was the person that I was supposed to be with. But I will say that from that moment to now 15 years later of dating, there has been times where it's difficult and you got to just go back to the source. What did we used to do that was fun? What did we enjoy doing that's fun together? Not even what we used to do. What do we do now that's enjoyable? And you got to work that in. And you got to be intentional about making that a part of each of your days. Because a lot of times there's days where Mac's struggling, where I am a goofball, or I do things to try to get her into a place where she breaks out of her funk. And trust me, Megan does the same for me. There's times where you just got to keep it real and just lighten the mood And we do this a lot just by having inside jokes together. There's things that me and Megan talk about that I promise you no one around would probably understand or care about, but it's just the small things that allow us to laugh together, to be together. And those are the most important things because that can easily get lost. And honestly, in the times of struggle, that's the easiest thing to get lost. I can promise you it's the easiest thing. But you got to remember that and make it a part of your day, especially the times where it's needed. Yeah, I mean, and fun can look like anything. Sometimes fun is dancing around the kitchen to the song that we, uh, what is that even called? Our wedding song? Is that what it is? Our wedding song. And other times it's going out to lunch and cracking up at each other or remembering something dumb from 15 years ago. I don't know what it is, but there's a million different ways that you can have fun and You should definitely explore that. Yeah, and those fun times are great. But number six leads us to you also need individual time. Me and Megan work together. We do a podcast together. I help Megan with her blog. We are together almost 24-7. Now, you might not be in that place with your spouse where you work together, but there's still you're spending a lot of time together. And it is important that you carve out some individual time for yourself because spending time together obviously is important, but it's also equally as important to get some alone time, especially with our kids. It's always important to get yourself separated and to have a place where you can free your mind. Me and Megan do this a lot with our fitness because we've discovered that fitness is just such an important thing as far as mindset goes, as far as the feeling about yourself goes motivation, everything. So I highly recommend that you work fitness into your repertoire. But that's one of the easiest ways that we've found to get alone time and just to get some time that's guilt-free to be doing something good for ourselves and be doing something good for our mindset. Yeah, I absolutely notice a difference in myself when I'm working out or having that time. I mean, it is fun like when we go on, we'll go on um, like family runs and, and stuff sometimes which is awesome. But once in a while, I do really just need that alone time. And it's fun to just disconnect and take my headphones and just get lost in that run. 
the other things we do, well, actually, I've done more of this than you have, but I know your time is coming because you've already warned me, is that we'll take just little bits of time here and there just to do other things. Like a few months ago, I went overnight with one of my friends for a spa night, and that was really cool. And then maybe last month, I headed up to Michigan to see my mom and sister for a little bit of a weekend, a little bit of a girls weekend. And I know that you're ready for football season to start so you can sneak away and head to some games with your brother, maybe. So we just try to do things that are on our own that can ultimately give us a little bit of space. Yeah, and it's important that you work that in. Like Megan said, she's had times where it's come up for her recently where she's just gotten opportunities or we've created opportunities and we are intentional in a lot of ways to make those opportunities happen because we all just sometimes need a break. And a break is good not only for you to have individual time, but just to break up sometimes the monotony that can happen or just the chaos that can happen in everyday life. I just want to kind of backpedal a little bit here and say the one thing I will say about this is individual time is very important. It's often looked at in the other category we talked about as like a selfish act. I know especially when it comes to like being a mom, it can be difficult to like leave your kids. But it's something that is very, very important to your well-being. The issues that come up with that too, I find, is you have to be intentional about giving individual time to both you and your spouse. Now that might not always come up equally. But you don't sit there with a clock the whole time they're gone and say, well, I was with the kids for four hours or I was with the kids for an entire weekend. So now I get an entire weekend away from the kids. You have to you have to give and take. And sometimes it might not work out that way. But the most important thing is if you are being honest and open and you're giving each other time that's the most important thing I can say. It's not so much that it's an equal amount of time and every minute is counted for in this case, but it is something that you want to make sure that you're not always the person going away or you're not always the person that's getting to go on a run and then you're not allowing that same time for your spouse because it's equally as important for them to have that time as well. The next one is number seven, which is sharing experiences is better than things. We would much rather take the trip than have the jewelry. We'd much rather have an amazing experience together, whether it's locally or whether we go somewhere exotic, than just buy another item as a gift for each other. Yeah, and I always think about it in a way that what are you actually going to remember in 5 years, 10 years, 20 years? What are the experiences that you remember as a couple now? Even if you've been together a few years, think back. What are the things that you remember? Or even if you're not in a relationship right now, what are the things that you remember from your life? Do you remember the new iPhone you got or the jewelry you got or whatever material thing you got? Or do you remember the experiences that you had? I can tell you from a personal note, I the biggest things I remember as I'm thinking back in my mind right now are all the different experiences we had. Sometimes they were just small little coffee dates that me and Megan had. Sometimes they were bigger trips we had. But I promise you it was never what Megan bought me or what whatever item I wanted. Like I, She's bought me a lot of different things, but that's not the thing that always comes to my mind. It's more importantly the experiences. And I always have found that they outweigh the things. And I know that's a popular thing now, 
but it is so true. Just try to live it out like on the next, on the next holiday, just decide that you're going to take that trip or you're going to go on a date or you're going to do something else that might be outside the norm, skip the material things and just spend that time together. And it's going to be more memorable. It just is. It's going to be more memorable, which leads us to number eight. You have to be on the same page about your finances. And this can be such a stressor in marriage. And when I hear about couples that are together, more often than not, finances seem to come up as an issue, but they don't have to be. I know a lot of times one person might be a spender and one person's a saver, but you have to come together and have some middle ground. I know for me and Megan, we schedule budget meetings where we actually talk about and update often where we're coming from and what we have to spend. It's important to talk about experiences and things and all that, but how do you know what you can spend and what you are open to do if you don't know where you're coming from? I find a lot that people, either one partner or the other, controls all of the finances. And maybe that's their gift. Maybe they are someone who is really good with money. But I also feel like it's important as a spouse to have an equal say in what's happening and to just have an understanding. Because without that understanding, you won't know where to go or what you can do because you'll have no idea where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, I I know this is ridiculous, but I don't even like to eat like a fast food meal or buy a book on Amazon without touching base, even though clearly I'm pretty sure we have a few bucks in the bank account and uh, it's all going to work out just fine. It just feels awkward to me to not tell you and not give you that heads up. Yeah. I think so often we, we make assumptions as far as where we're at financially. And if you don't really know, and you don't sit down and look, then that can get you into trouble. I know a lot of people that have stresses because their spouse, one, doesn't know, and two, (laughs) is frankly just spending money. And if if you're causing stress to your spouse based on your money spending and you don't even know about it, that's a problem. And that's never going to turn out well. And it's something that you should always be on the same page on, not make assumptions on. And one of the areas where me and Megan have tried to get more intentional is in our long-term planning and try to plan out looking ahead as best you can and just have a plan moving forward because you don't want to get older and older and have no plan as far as what you're going to do or where you're going to go. And I know finances, they just bring up stress for a lot of us. I mean, money just internally can be a stressor, but it doesn't have to be if you're on the same page and have an understanding of where you're coming from, which leads us to number nine, having kids makes marriage harder. (laughs) Really, it should say having kids makes marriage so much harder. When we first got married, we had so many date nights. We could just do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. We could sleep in. We could go to as many places as we wanted to in a day. But then you have kids and overnight you are responsible for other people and you have to nurture them and give them everything they need And those long, drawn-out conversations you used to have while you looked lovingly into each other's eyes are interrupted every two minutes with the fact that the kids need more pirate's booty or they vomited on the floor, something else that they need. I mean, you're constantly nagged and you're constantly pulled on. 
And I mean, I, as I say that, it sounds like really harsh on the kids and I'm not trying to come from that place. All I'm trying to say is it becomes really difficult to even have a conversation, let alone have some intimacy. Yeah, we absolutely love and adore our children and think they are the best things in the world. But it is hard to talk when the kids are awake. If we're getting dinner ready, they need something. If we're trying to you know, plan the day, they need something. No matter what, someone's interrupting somewhere. Yeah. And with that, I mean, date nights become a thing of the past and your main mission is just trying to keep them alive, which is a perfect lead into number 10. If you're married, your spouse is the most important relationship that you have on earth. Your relationship with your partner should really outweigh all their relationships with anyone else. So often we get pulled into distractions of our job or of our kids, like we were just discussing. And we kind of make it an afterthought that our spouse is there and we just make the assumption that they're always going to be there. But that partnership is the biggest and greatest thing that you're going to have in your life. So you can't take it for granted. I think it's important to show your kids if you have them that this is how, and we talked about this earlier, this is how you treat your partner. This is how a marriage and what a marriage should look like. You model it for your kids. You model it for the outside world because that person, there's no other way to say it. They should be your co-pilot. They should be your number one. I think that's a beautiful way to end this episode. So on that note, we will see you next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in another show of Fools in Love podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast or follow us over on Facebook at Fools in Love Podcast or hit us up on Instagram. Megan's at This Average Mom and I'm at Brandon Giggling. We'd love to hear from you over there. Talk soon.